Vamos. Welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we are here to bring you Minute number 38. Brady, how are you doing today? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty good. Had a lot of fun recording uh, with the guys from Back to the Future Minute the other day. We're really thankful for them coming on. And we have... uh, some pretty cool guests coming up here in the very near future. I don't want to name who yet because we still have to get the schedules figured out for recording, but uh, some good stuff coming down the line. Don't you agree? Oh, yeah. Wouldn't Can't you wait. concur, Mr. Brady? I would. <laughs> you would I definitely would. concur. Dr. Crane. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you are ready, if you're ready, I'm ready. We can go ahead and roll on into minute number 38. Let's do it. So if you remember, in the previous minute, we saw the Ghostbusters complete their first capture of a ghost in Slimer. They've just trapped Slimer and are checking on the trap. At minute number 38, Egon checks the trap and announces he's in there. At 38.08, Ray announces. Now that wasn't much of a chore, was it? At 38.10, we cut to the outside of the hotel ballroom where the hotel manager is waiting for Donald and Mr. Smith. As Mr. Smith attempts to unlock the ballroom doors, they are busted wide open by a still-slime-slathered Peter Vankman who loudly announces, We came! We saw! We kicked its ass! The hotel manager asks what it was that they saw. At 38.23, Ray emerges from the ballroom holding a smoking trap and tells the hotel manager that what they had on the property was referred to as a focused, non-terminal repeating phantasm or a Class 5 full-roaming vapor. Real nasty one, too. At 38.34, Vankman clears his throat and begins to go over the bill for the service. As Vankman goes over the bill, Egon is gesturing to him with his fingers on how much they should charge. The bill breakdown goes as follows. Entrapment is a four big ones, so $4,000 on that one. Proton charging and entrapment of the beast comes down to $1,000, of course, because they had a weekly special. So $5,000 in total. The hotel manager says that $5,000 is too much and that he won't pay it. At $3,853, Vankman tells the hotel manager that that is fine and they can just release Slimer back into the hotel. Ray goes to release Slimer but is stopped by the hotel manager who agrees to pay the bill. And thus ends minute number 38. So what did you think about this minute? I actually like it a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting into, uh, you know, one of the best montages, I think, and, and you know, that comes, comes to my mind anyway. But the uh, <laughs> the part where he tells him we can just put it right back in there and Ray follows it up with, we certainly can, Dr. Vangman yes, always yeah. gets a laugh out of me. <laughs> really puts the, the, the frighteners on the hotel manager, if you will, that his, he's going to have the exact same problem, plus all the damage that the Ghostbusters caused, which they're not even talking about at this point. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you're, we're about to get into a fantastic montage, uh, maybe second only to the Rocky training montage from Rocky Five, where oh, he yeah. and Ivan Drago are showing off their different uh, training, and he runs up the top of the hill and yells, Drago! Now, have you ever caught the TV edit of Ghostbusters on TV? Mm, it's been a while. Okay. Um, so a lot of the time in you know movie productions, instead of going in and having the actors have to show up to redub lines, which you know often just looks terrible, uh, sometimes movie producers will have alternate uh, takes shot on set. And there is actually a... Um, I'm a really big fan of the movie Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. And there is a TV edit of that that is almost like completely... It's like a whole other movie that was shot. Really? Yeah. But um, for Ghostbusters, there's a lot of takes where you can tell that they had Bill Murray say other lines that he just wasn't feeling. And in the case of We Came, We Saw, We Kicked Its Ass, him quoting Caesar, in, instead of saying uh, We Came, We Saw, We Kicked Its Ass, he says, what a knockabout of pure fun that was. Really? And yeah, you can tell. He's just like, why do I have to say that? That is a bizarre line mm-hmm. reading. He couldn't just like kick, you know, supplant ass with something else like butt. Yeah, you, know? you would think so. But or I'm sure even he, like Heine would have been yeah, fine. But if you tell Bill, if you tell Bill Murray, like, okay, you got to do it like this, he's going to, no. We came, we saw, we kicked its face. There you go. There you go. Would have worked for me. Uh, later on in the um, 
mayor's office instead of, you know, uh, it's, it's true, Your Honor, this man has no dick. They changed it to the mayor asking, is this true? Uh, after Ray says it was shut off by Wally Wick here. And Peter says, it's true, Your Honor. The man is some kind of rodent. I don't know which. And there's other examples, too, like Dana, instead of saying, oh, shit, she says, oh, no, and a few other examples. But it's, it's always interesting to me when I, there's a movie I'm well familiar with, and uh, I'm seeing it on TV, and it's just something totally different. It's, yeah. it's interesting because it makes you wonder, you know, I don't know, whenever I'm watching a movie that I'm obsessed with, I want to know every single thing about it. I want to see every behind-the-scenes picture that was taken. I want to see every alternate take, everything. Yeah. So when you catch something like that, you're just like, well, there you go, there's something else. You know? I think I saw Edgar Wright. No, not Edgar Wright. I'm sorry. What is the guy's name? Simon Pegg. I always get Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg confused. Edgar Wright's the director. Simon Pegg is the Toshiro Mufune and to his Akira Kurosawa. So uh, Simon Pegg was saying on TV one time that when he and Nick Frost go and they overdub all the you know Cornetto trilogy movies like uh, Shaun of the Dead yeah. and Hot Fuzz, if there's a line like Jesus Christ, they replace it with peas and rice. And I appreciate that Why? because the well the flow of the scene is better and it looks like they're actually saying it with their mouths. Well, so when they question. go, uh huh. Uh, do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Oh, when you find a stranger in the Alps, uh, this is what happens. And you yeah. get your car bashed in. There yeah, that's go. one of my favorite. If you don't know what we're talking about, in The Big Lebowski, uh, there's another line, which we're not going to say in a family podcast, but uh, it's uh, <laughs> what the, the, the line is dubbed by uh, Walter, uh, excuse me, by John Goodman. This is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. So, yeah. But it fits with what he's saying mouth-wise. But, uh, but not point wise no no this is also one of the first examples that we get of peter who is actually being you know the the face of the company and his business side when he starts you know talking numbers and uh being a little loud enough for everybody around to hear him yeah and it's just so phony but you know and then he uh he and egon start trading off information like uh Debating how much they should charge, and Egon is sort of pointing, acting like he's scratching his face, but he's yeah. pointing up to like increase the rate. I love that because they're completely full of it. Like they didn't go over this beforehand, yeah. so he just kind of turned to Egon, <laughs> like, "I don't know, what do you think?" And Egon's like, "For I mean, like, so five thousand dollars for roughly thirty minutes worth of work. If you're looking at a situation like they are, where ghost activity is jumping up very highly, these guys are going to be." Super rich very quickly. Mm-hmm. So maybe if the gap in ghost activity after this movie ends, that's how they get to like four or five years later. Five years later, 1989, I think is when yeah. Ghostbusters took him out. So if they made, I don't know, a few million a piece in this short period of like six months or whatever this movie takes place in, they could probably just live on that for a while. Yeah. And Peter mentions that they're running a special this week. They yeah. haven't even been in business. It's their so first week. week. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I I get it. You want to run specials all the time to entice people to come in, but it's like I wonder how much the uh, entrapment of the beast and proton charging would cost. You know, usually he doesn't say if it's like a fifty percent discount or anything like that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So in this, we get uh, the classification of Slimer from Peter when he refers to him as a focused non-terminal repeating phantasm or a class five full roaming vapor. Do you know what the different classifications in Ghostbusters mean? I don't. So as Tobin's spirit guide goes, uh, in the Ghostbusters lore, there are different classification levels of ghosts. So I'm going to go over those real quick because I don't think we have a whole lot else to talk about in this minute other than the fact that it's very enjoyable to watch. But so a class, and this is all coming from ghostbusters.wikia.com, but a class one entity is the lowest class of ghosts. And a class ones are underdeveloped forms, insubstantial and difficult to see. Interaction with environment is limited and enigmatic. Spectral lights, voices, sounds, ectoplasmic vapors. A simple application of a proton pack is normally effective. So it doesn't even sound like there's any busting involved. You can just fry these things. So this is probably like 
uh, non um, poltergeist, just kind of like maybe you just see weird lights or something like that, right? So that's not anything that would really spook you out so much as just kind of like startle you, I guess. So a class two is a manifestation focused in this time and space. Class two ghosts and up can physically manipulate things in this world. These forms are vague, inconsistent, or incomplete. So like floating sheets, ghostly hands, animated lips. Although a proton pack beam is normally effective, some class 2 ghosts have the capacity to return attacks. A class 3 entity, uh, that would be like an anonymous haunting. A distinct human form and personality is evident, but former identity, i.e. as a living being, is not established. If established... Ghost is reassigned as class 4. Often difficult to deal with, class 3 ghosts are generally possess sophisticated means of defense. A class 4 ghost has an identity established, a distinct human form and personality with known identity, such as General Custer or Cleopatra. So if you see, like, Napoleon's ghost running around, that's going to be class 4. Okay. Economic disposal methods include research into the background of said entity as well as possible communication with it. So this would be like the Scolari brothers from Ghostbusters 2 would be a class 4 entity. Class 5, which is what we know Slimer to be, is a mid-level specter. It takes on a non-humanoid form, the most well-known of which, of course, is Slimer, the full-roaming vapor who haunted the 12th floor of the Sedgwick Hotel. Class 5, these are ectoplasmic manifestations of defined but not human form. Speculation includes a theory that Class 5s are formed from emotionally charged events or side effects of ritual summoning, which we've read in Tobin's Spirit Guide that Slimer was not an actual human, uh, but he was uh, ritually summoned by the cult of Gozer into the hotel. Okay. And his, uh, he is a bottomless spirit who would just eat, 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 eat. So he's like, if you, if you summon him into the world, your punishment is that you have a ghost that's going to eat all your food and, yeah. and everything around you. Uh, class 5 entities are ectoplasmic manifestations of definable but non-human-looking creatures with some form of intelligence. Class 6 entity are animal-like ghosts that act mostly like living animals. So uh, a class 6 entity or ghost of lower life forms, like a giant penguin was once seen attacking a mugger in Central Park. Later it was discovered the penguin was a ghost. This is from the Ghostbusters okay. It's not a real yeah. thing. But have you heard this? I don't know. We need to look this up because I keep seeing this giant penguin come back into Ghostbusters lore. And I, I don't know if it's just this one entry in which I'm reading here in the Wikia, which comes from, I think, the Ghostbusters role-playing game. I have no idea. But unique solutions are often required to handle these entities, including research into habitats, allergies, natural enemies. So I guess ghosts can have allergies, which uh, would be pretty interesting to see what sets that off. Okay, so then there is a Class 7 entity, which are gods and demons and are very powerful. So Class 7 are called Metaspectres, which are obsessively malevolent, exceptionally powerful, and exhibiting control over subordinate forms. Such entities are potentially very dangerous. These are often identified by primitive cultures as demons. Entities which fit this classification include Gozer, Vins, Clortho, and Zul. Neutralizing them is usually a problematic undertaking at best. Most standard procedures are futile. And most realistic plan is to take measures to prevent these things from entering the sphere of influence in the first place. And then, of course, the ultimate form or the ultimate classification is a class eight entity, which is a special classification for very powerful extra dimensional beings uh, and used once but not in the primary canon. So basically, that's something that was just on the animated series. Not, not really. There's no real reference here on what it would be. Actually, the list of entities is Cthulhu, which would be their version of Cthulhu. Uh, which looks like he was on the real Ghostbusters. We need to watch that episode. I'm not familiar with this. Yeah, I don't, I don't recognize. Yeah, no, but that's uh, pretty cool that they would bring like H.P. Lovecraft into that. So maybe we'll check that out and watch it on uh, one of our premium Patreon episodes one time. So 
Uh, that's pretty much all I've got for this minute. Uh, this is kind of cool because we, we, we see their full end result of their business plan come to fruition here. Yeah. Where they've busted a ghost, now they're collecting money for it, and the Cedric Hotel's agreeing to it. So, you got anything else for minute number 38? I don't. Okay, I don't either. So, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Tomorrow, we're going to come back with, uh, of course, if you remember Ghostbusters, this is pretty much the end of, like, I, I don't know if I want to call this the first half of the movie, but I've often referred to this on the show as like a perfect film up until this point. Mm-hmm. And it's not bad after this at all. It's Ghostbusters, one of the greatest films ever made, right? But uh, this is, I think, a flawless buildup to what the Ghostbusters actually yeah. are. And we've just ended it and we're about to go into the montage, the buildup of the group and the introduction of Winston after that. So um, this is pretty much, I, I know Mark came on the other day and said that the first act was really ended after Peter meets Dana and we kind of set up everything. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like this is also kind of n- not an act ending, but kind of a moment in the movie where you're like, all right, Ghostbusters are established. Now let's move on to the yeah. second, the, the real storyline of Gozer and all it's, that. It's business time. And literally that's it's, what this montage, you know, it is, is all about. Yeah. It is ghost busting time. So, all right, great. Well, Folks, join us back for tomorrow, our Friday episode, episode number 39, where we're going to talk about the first half of the Ghostbusters montage. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.